0: Good morning Nachum. Good Erev. Shabbos everybody and a freilicher Chanukah, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Mikates. It is Shabbos Chanukah. Before we talk about Mikates and Chanukah, I think it's most important that we review that Amir Tzachem this afternoon. We before we light ner Shabbos, we light Ne'er Chanukah. Now, it's important that you understand why this afternoon at approximately 4.20, you cannot light the Ner Chanukah of the small colored candles. The reason for that is they burn for approximately a half an hour. A half an hour after 4:20 today will bring you to 4:50, and that is not yet the time when the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah kicks in. The rabbis tell us that we are to light Ner Hanukkah at the end of shkia, the end of sunset, meaning when the stars come out, which would be approximately five. 15, 520 in the New York area. And therefore, your candles have to burn for approximately a half an hour after 515. In order for that to happen, you have to light at 420 oil or candles, which will be sufficient to go for at least an hour and a half. And therefore, use tonight for your Hanukkah candles a Shabbos candles if they can fit in your menorah. If your menorah does not take Shabbos candles, then let me teach you something. You don't need a menorah. Take these small tea lights, which burn at least two hours, line them up in a safe place. If it's on the windowsill, put tin foil carefully, line them up, make sure it's safe, and light them there and have seven in a row and the shamash a little bit off to the side. And that way you satisfy your obligation of lighting their Hanukkah and it will last the right time. If one were to use the small colored candles, they do not fulfill the mitzvah, and in addition, they have very possibly recited a bracha levatola, a blessing for naught. In a pinch, if you don't feel comfortable lighting seven tea lights, light one. Because from the letter of the law, all you need to fulfill the obligation of Chanukah each night is one candle. We try to do the mitzvah in the best way possible by increasing the number each night, hence seven tonight. Taking a look at Parshas Mikates. We have to ask ourselves, my goodness, again, why is this story told to us in the Torah? And the opening medrash on the parsha and its explanation by the Beis Halevi provides a fascinating insight, and that is the following: the Parsha begins vahimi katz shnasayim yomim, that it happened at the end of two years, literally to the day, and two years as an extension to Joseph's already ten years being in jail. Uparo paro dreamt, and we're told of the dreams. Nobody could interpret them. That would satisfy Paro. The butler says, Oh, I remember that there was this Hebrew slave in jail with us. They hurry Yosef out of the jail. They bring him to Paro, and the rest, as we know, is history. The Medrash says, on the word Mikates, and it was at the end of two years, the Medrash says, citing the verse from the 28th, Chapter of Eo of Job, Kates some lachoshech. What does that mean? God puts an end to the darkness. And the Midrash continues that God put an end to the time when Yosef would be in prison. And as soon as the Kates, the time was over, the two years was over, Yosef having asked the butler twice to please remember me. And Yosef, because of his very special relationship with God, should have had greater trust in God. And therefore, he put too much uh, emphasis by asking the butler to get him out. When the two years were up, now it was only a question of how. Namely, let's take a step back. We're all familiar with the story. I'll ask you, what caused what? Most people will say that Pharaoh's dream caused Yosef to be freed from jail. Pharaoh didn't get a interpretation, hence Yosef is freed. The Medrash is saying, says the Beis HaLevi, once the two years were off, Yosef is getting out. The only question is, how? So, Yosef's freedom is the cause, and the effect of that is the dreams. Paro dreams in order to get Yosef out. Not that Yosef comes out, because Paro dreams. Now, you might think that this is simply playing with words and splitting hairs, but I think this is such an important thesis with which the Parsha begins. It teaches us that, as the Rambam says in his very first of the 13 Animamin, I believe with perfect faith, says the Jew, that not only is he Borei, is he the creator of the world but he is manhig, he is the one that directs, he is involved. There is incredible hashgacha Pratis, divine providence, for the Jewish people as a people and for each individual. Yosef had his personal hashgacha Pratis. I urge everybody in your minds, take Yosef's name out, put your name in, and realize and appreciate the Yashkacha Pratis, the Divine Providence, the personal involvement of Hashem in your life. Now we are, as we know, in Chanukah. And interestingly, our Torah... Is understood on many different levels and go therefore to the very first paragraph of the Torah. And the second verse, right after Bereshus, we're told that God created heaven and earth, the Oretz, the land was completely void, desolate. And choshech, darkness apnei on the face of the deep. That's the literal translation. However, the midrash on this verse tells us the following. Choshech, what is the darkness? The darkness refers to mauchus Yavan. The Torah is hinting that right away at creation, built into this world, is, on the one hand, the kingdom and the government of Greece and the Syrians, she'achshicha enayim shel Yisrael, literally, they darkened the eyes of Israel with their laws, that they told the Jewish people, Kismu al-keren write on the horn of the ox, that you renounce your belief in the God of Israel. Now, the ox in yesteryear, the work animal, the animal which carried themselves and their possessions, it was like our modern cars, SUVs. It's incredible. Nothing's changed. The horn, of the animal they would decorate and put various slogans on akin to today the bumper sticker what was the bumper sticker that they made the Jews put on their oxen? We renounce our belief in the God of Israel. Now you have to ask yourself why? Why should that have bothered them so much? that we believe in the God of Israel. And the answer, I believe, is found in the Al-Hanisim prayer that we're saying and we continue to say through Sunday. And on Shabbos, you must wash. For tonight and tomorrow, lunch, you must. For Shaloshudis, you should. And therefore, be careful when we recite the birkas Hamazon tonight. We say, Ritzay, as well as Al-Hanisim, and what we are taught in the Al-Hanisim, what did they want to do? They wanted Lahaviram Mechuke ritzonecha. They wanted to cause the Jewish people to completely stray from your chukim, from your statue, from your laws without a reason. In other words, they The Greeks prided themselves that Socrates and Plato were wise men. And their criteria for wisdom was, whatever man can understand, that is wisdom. And whatever man cannot understand, that is not wisdom. Now, we have a name for this. We call it Seichel Enushi, the wisdom of man. But we believe in a higher wisdom. And so, take, for example, meat from a kosher animal— is kosher, milk from a kosher animal is kosher, but you can't mix the two. Now that necessarily doesn't make quote common sense, but we believe that there's a higher sense called Sechel Eloki, the wisdom of God. And that is what we pride ourselves that we follow. This they could not tolerate. And so, why were they against Shabbos? They're not against a day of rest, if a person would simply relax and each one would do their own thing. This one would play golf, and this one would putter in the garden. No, they were against Shabbos Kodesh, the fact that Shabbos is holy, and it has restrictions, and there are certain things that you are not permitted to do. Creativity, that they couldn't understand, because that doesn't come from man. Why were they against circumcision? They were against circumcision because they put man at the center of the universe they glorified the body and they had their athletes and others playing in the nude and we the jew believes in sneus in modesty in in saying that the body aside being from something of beauty is also something holy and hence it is to be covered. Bris Kodesh is what the Moel says prior to uh, the circumcision. Why were they against the Jewish calendar? Because the Jewish calendar is that which we have the capacity to infuse sanctity. The Sanhedrin would pronounce Rosh Chodesh by saying Makudash HaChodesh Makudash, that the new month has been established, and declared sacred. The ability for the Jew to inject sanctity into all aspects of his life, this is what the Greeks oppose, and this is what the choshech, the darkness, that they unfortunately spread. They had this darkness in the sense that they caused, unfortunately, many Jews to assimilate. And perhaps, my friends, think about this. The rabbis teach us that God never does a miracle for no reason. Why did he bring a miracle at this time of the oil? Because the military victory, which was certainly a miracle, people could always say, well... Well, we had the home court advantage. You can come up with all kinds of possible reasons. But here, it was very clear that this was supernatural, showing the Jews, showing the rest of the world that there is a higher power, a very strong connection between Miketz and Chanukah, both of them personify Hashkacha Pratis, God's involvement with the Jewish people, mankind in general, and then very specifically with each and every one of us. Taking this opportunity to wish each and every one of us, Nachal and his family, and all your respective families, a very meaningful, enjoyable Shabbat and uh, Chanukah, rather, and a Shabbat Shalom to all.